All right, welcome back to the College Culture Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm here today with uh, Nick. Yep, and I'm a sophomore at Michigan State University, and today we're going to be looking at um, Black Afrofuturism in literature and science fiction, looking at some of the tenets of Afrofuturism and talking about which one we find uh, more prominent. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, we've obviously read a few stories, books, and watched a few movies in class. So mainly what we've drawn from for our inspiration of what we believe is the most important tenant and what we'll be sourcing and referring to um, has come from class in addition to a couple different things from outside of class that that we thought pertained to it. So Zach, do you want to go ahead and... Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and give it a start. So um, my tenant was the recovery project of Afrofuturism, which is recovering lost black cultures. That's how I took it. Um, when initially looking at this tenant, I used both the movie we watched, uh, Black Panther, and a, a symphony by one of the first and relatively only prominent African-American composers, uh, William Still, and that was called his Afro-American Symphony. And uh, I put these two together mainly for one main reason, that they both brought uh, a subject or a type of black or African culture into the foreground of something that was predominantly white. So um, in the case of Black Panther, you have this endowed, you know, sea of caucasity, which is all the superhero movies, sci-fi movies, you rarely see this uh, area of black culture. It was difficult for a lot of people who don't, who don't get to visualize that type of idea. And so this movie, you know, in a sense, acting as a recovery project, brought back both black and African traditions. You saw in the movie, uh, the soundtrack was used differently, more hip hop, more rap songs were brought in. The filming style was different. You saw African traditions like the gods and tradition of the tribes, which were seen in the Black Panther tribe separately, rituals and traditions that were um, not observed in other you know, blockbuster movies. And so you kind of saw that culture being recovered into this new area. Um, in addition, I drew this uh, piece of music that I played last year, which was at the time uh, not regarded in the highest aspect. The, uh, the idea of classical music at that time was a lot of old white guys doing their thing, making music for a bunch of stuffy old white men. And then you also at this time, the 1930s, 20s, had um, you know the Harlem Renaissance coming up, blues and jazz, and those two worlds didn't meet and still was able to bring in his ideas in the suffering of people into this classical music, into the area that was so um, predominantly white. And it, it said a lot to bringing, uh, one, not only just bringing a new type of music to the foreground of this culture, but um, introducing this, this blend of two different cultures and how cultures can coexist. And you saw a lot of people in, you know, analyzing this piece of music said that it kind of has the voices of hundreds of years of black and African history in it at some times that are being brought in this new stylistic age. So we can go ahead and uh, take a listen to a little bit of that right now.
All right, so hopefully you heard a little bit of what I was getting at in that excerpt and kind of see how this idea of the recovery project serves Afrofuturism in its kind of greatest sense. I think that this tenant is crucial and important because it kind of embodies what I think Afrofuturism is, Afro, excuse me, Afrofuturism is as a whole. Um, there are a lot of aspects of it that are brought to fiction and sci-fi, but I think its main goal and its most important aspect is bringing um, lost and recovered traditions that aren't found in the world forward. Over now. All right. Um, thanks, Zach. That was very well said. I feel like, I don't know, we'll see. Hopefully I can do as good of a job. Well, I All appreciate right. that. <laughs> um, so my, my tenant, or what I believe is the most important tenant, um, is the Black Reimagined Futures and Reimagined Worlds. Um, so my main sources that I pulled from for inspiration and kind of what led me into this belief were, again, Black Panther. Zach touched on that a little bit. Um, the Black God's Drum, the story we read in class. And then, honestly, probably my most influential one was a Guardian article written by a man named Stephen Thrasher, who kind of dives into why I believe this is the most important tenant. Um, so Black Panther, Zach kind of touched on this as well a little bit. So I think that is extremely important because it's just important in general for people to see people like them that came from different circumstances and backgrounds as them doing great things in the world. So kind of like you said, Captain America, Hulk, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. Black Widow, they're all white, normal people. Right. You don't see any black people um, in there. And then the Black Panther comes along and all of a sudden they're living in a civilization that can go, like turn invisible at, the, at their will. They have vibranium, which is the most important resource in the world. So now we're going from no traces of black people whatsoever anywhere in the Marvel Universe. And now Wakanda seems to be the most advanced civilization of them all. So I think that's really important. Obviously, now vibranium and all that stuff doesn't exist in the real world. But I think that's why Black Panther was such an important movie to so many. And especially the black community is these young kids now are seeing people that look like them. And we see um, in the movie Killmonger came from where, I think it was Compton or somewhere in California, kind of a more impoverished community. So there's people that look like them, that grew up like them with maybe the same issues and problems that they have that are going on to do great things. And they see them on the big screen and they're able to look up to them and kind of um, shape what they want to be and who they want to be after them. Um, see, so I know we're supposed to debate a little bit, but I kind of agree with what a right. lot of Zach said. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess my biggest thing of why I'm so, why I'm such a believer in the black futures is just the aspect of being able to see people like you do great things just instills confidence in people where if you don't see that, it's tougher for you to envision yourself doing great things. Right. What do you think? Right. I know. I definitely. I definitely agree. I think that. I think that the pairing of our two tenants is something that, uh, that kind of diminishes a point of argument because we both kind of look at areas of different study. Right. Your uh, tenant focuses mainly on black futures. Mm -hmm. I think mine is a little bit more about recovering the past. Right. And so they. I think work well together, and you know, possibly could build to a larger tenant. But I think just in to argue my own, um, when when we're looking at um, black culture and how it is seen in the world today, you know, granted it is nice to imagine black futures, 
but I think there is a power in recovering what was uh, in the past and bringing that to more power today and kind of forcing black culture into the, or black futures into this culture. Um, and I think that, and just to drag from a couple other uh, uh, examples, when we were uh, looking at the music of Missy Elliott and the, especially the videos of Missy Elliott, I think that is, um, serves as another point as to why this tenant or my tenant, I should say, is important because you can see how recovering black culture and making black culture prevalent can be seen in uh, a specific group of people. In this case, black women, as we talked about. Um, you saw a lot of men, primarily you know, white and black men, recovering the rap culture, the rap uh, area in the early 90s, and Missy Elliott comes along and brings in uh, you know, elements of Afrofuturism um, and recovers them in her own way and makes this available for young people and black girls especially to be able to uh, uh, see their culture in a new way, in a new light. And I think that serves as an importance, which also kind of ties into your tenant too, Definitely. I think, in different ways. Yeah, I think, I think you said... You said a good point too, how our tenants kind of go together, so it diminishes a point of difference. Where mm-hmm. even kind of what you talked about with um, your composer, where Beethoven, Bach, every Mozart, everyone that you think of when you think of classical music, like you said, are all white guys. Um, yeah, I think that is important. Although he's obviously from a past time, um, that's important, and that kind of goes along with with why I think Black Panther is so important. Um, it's like seeing black people doing these things now all of a sudden if you're a black kid growing up and you want to be a composer or you want to be an actor or whatever it is you see people do this you think okay if they can do it why can't i do it and even so this article um i pulled from the author stephen thrasher talks about that he refers to movies like star wars where obviously they're massive cultural phenomenon and everyone has seen star wars but he recalls going to see him when he was a kid and saying we would go and want to see people like us on screen where it's all just white people and everything. And there's still great movies and there's, that's its own subject. But he talks about that's why Black Panther was so big is you went to the movie and you wanted to see people like you. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, I hope we provoke some thoughts. Definitely. That's kind of our goal in this. Um, and we hope everybody joins us next week on the next episode of the College Culture Podcast when we have special guest Joe Rogan on. Fantastic. We're excited (laughs) about that one. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.